Section number seven of the Letters of Lord Nelson to Lady Hamilton, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Letters of Lord Nelson to Lady Hamilton, Volume One, by Horatio Nelson, Chapter Seven. Letter thirty-three, Victory of Toulon. August the 1st, 1803. I do not know that you will get this letter. My dearest Emma, your letter of May the 31st, which came under cover to Mr. Noble of Naples, enclosing Davison's correspondence with Plymouth, arrived by the Phoebe two days ago, and this is the only scrap of a pen which has been received by any person in the fleet since we sailed from England. You will readily conceive, my dear Emma, the sensations which the sight and reading even your few lines occasioned. They cannot be understood but by those of such mutual and truly sincere attachment as yours and mine. Although you said little, I understood a great deal, and most heartily approve of your plan and society for next winter and next spring. I hope to be rich enough to begin the alterations at dear Merton. It will serve to amuse you, and I am sure that I shall admire all of your alterations, even to planting a gooseberry bush. Sutton joined me yesterday, and we are all got into the victory, and a few days will put us in order. Everybody gives a very excellent character of Mr. Chevalier the servant recommended by Mr. Davison, and I shall certainly live as frugal as my station will admit. I have known the pinch, and shall endeavour never to know it again. I want to send £2,100 to pay off Mrs. Greaves on October the 1st, but I have not received one farthing, but I hope to receive some soon. But Mr. Hazelwood promised to see this matter kept right for me. Hardy is now busy, hanging up your and Horatia's picture, and I trust soon to see the other two safe arrived from the exhibition. I want no others to ornament my cabin. I can contemplate them and find new beauties every day, and I do not want anybody else. You will not expect much news from us. We see nothing. I have great fear that all Naples will fall into the hands of the French, and if Acton does not take care, Sicily also. However, I have given my final advice so fully and strongly that, let what will happen, they cannot blame me. Captain Capel says Mr. Elliot cannot bear Naples. I have no doubt but that it is very different to your time. The Queen, I fancy, by the seal, has sent a letter to Castel Cicala. Her letter to me is only thanks for my attention to the safety of the kingdom. If Dr. Scott has time and is able, he shall write a copy for you. The King is very much retired. He would not see the French General St. Cyr, who came to Naples to settle the contribution for the payment of the French army. The Queen was ordered to give him and the French minister a dinner, but the King stayed at Belvedere. 
I think he will give it up soon and retire to Sicily, if the French will allow him. Acton has never dared give Mr. Elliot or one Englishman a dinner. The fleet are ready to come forth, but they will not come for the sake of fighting me. I have this day made George Elliot post, Lieutenant Petit, a master and commander, and Mr. Hindmarsh, gunner's son of the Bellerophon, who behaved so well this day five year, a lieutenant. I reckon to have lost two French seventy-fours by my not coming out in the victory, but I hope they will come soon with interest. This goes to Gibraltar by Saturn in the Amphion. I shall write to the doctor in a day or two. I see by the French papers that he has kissed hands. With kindest regards to your good mother and all at Merton, etc., 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 ever yours, most faithfully and affectionately, Nelson and Bronte. Letter 34 Victory off Toulon, August the 10th, 1803 My dearest Emma, I take the opportunity of Mr. Accord's going through Spain with Mr. Elliot's dispatches for England to send this letter, for I would not, for the world, miss any opportunity of sending you a line. By Gibraltar I wrote you as lately as the 4th, but all our ways of communicating with England are very uncertain, and I believe the Admiralty must have forgot us, for not a vessel of any kind or sort has joined us since I left Spithead. News I absolutely am ignorant of, except that a schooner belonging to me put her nose into Toulon, and four frigates popped out and have taken her and a transport loaded with water for the fleet. However, I hope to have an opportunity very soon of paying them the debt with interest. Mr. Accord says at Naples they hope that the mediation of Russia will save them, but I doubt if Russia will go to the war with the French for any kingdom, and they, poor souls, relying on a broken reed, will lose Sicily. As for getting anything for Bronte, I cannot expect it, for the finances of Naples are worse than ever. Patientia, however, I will. I see many bishops are dead. Is my brother tired of Canterbury? I wish I could make him a bishop. If you see him or write, say that I have not ten minutes to send away Mr. Accord, who cannot be detained. I hope Lord St. Vincent has sent out Sir William Bolton. As soon as I know who is First Lord, I will write him. Letter 35 My dear Lady Hamilton, Your friend's godson arrived safe yesterday afternoon, and I shall, you know, always feel too happy in obeying your commands, for you never ask favours, but for your friends. In short, in every point of view, from ambassadress to the duties of domestic life, I never saw your equal. That elegance of manners, accomplishments, and above all your goodness of heart, is unparalleled, and only believe forever and beyond it your faithful and devoted Nelson and Bronte. Victory 
August the 24th, 1803. Letter 36. N.B. The mysterious letter appears to have been enclosed in this packet. August the 26th, 1803. Wrote several days past. My dearest Emma, by the canopus, Admiral Campbell, I have received all your truly kind and affectionate letters from May the 20th to July the 3rd, with the exception of one dated May the 31st sent to Naples. This is the first communication I have had with England since we sailed. All your letters, my dear letters, are so entertaining, and which paint so clearly what you are after, that they give me either the greatest pleasure or pain. It is the next best thing to being with you. I only desire, my dearest Emma, that you will always believe that Nelson's your own. Nelson's Alpha and Omega is Emma. I cannot alter my affection, and love is beyond even this world. Nothing can shake it but yourself, and that I will not allow myself to think for a moment is possible. I feel that you are the real friend of my bosom, and dearer to me than life, and that I am the same to you. But I will neither have P's nor Q's come near you, no, not the slice of a single Gloucester. But if I was to go on, it would argue that want of confidence which would be injurious to your honour. I rejoice that you have had so pleasant a trip into Norfolk, and I hope one day to carry you there by a nearer tie-in-law, but not in love and affection than at present. I wish you would never mention that person's name. It works up your anger for no useful purpose. Her good or bad character of me or thee no one cares about. This letter will find you at dear Merton, where we shall one day meet and be truly happy. I do not think it can be a long war, and I believe it would be much shorter than people expect, and I shall hope to find the new room built, the grounds laid out, neatly but not expensively, new Piccadilly gates, kitchen garden, etc. Only let us have a plan, and then all will go on well. It will be a great source of amusement to you, and Horatia shall plant a tree. I dare say she will be very busy, Mrs. Nelson, or Mrs. Bolton, etc., will be with you, and time will pass away. Till I have the inexpressible happiness of arriving at Merton, even the thought of it vibrates through my nerves, for my love for you is as unbounded as the ocean. I feel all your good mother's kindness, and I trust that we shall turn rich by being economists. Spending money to please a pack of people is folly, and without thanks. I desire that you will say every kind thing from me to her, and make her a present of something in my name. Dr. Scott is gone with my mission to Algiers, or I would send you a copy of the King and Queen's letter. I send you one from the Queen. Both King, Queen, and Acton were very civil to Sir William Bolton. He dined with Acton. Bolton does very well in his brig, but he has made not a farthing of prize money. If I knew where to send him for some, he should go. But unless we have a Spanish war, I shall live here at great expense, 
though Mr. Chevalier takes every care, and I have great reason to be satisfied. I have just asked William, who behaves very well, whether he chooses to remit any of his wages to his father. It does not appear he does at present. He is paid by the king eighteen pounds a year as one of my retinue. Therefore I have nothing to pay. I have told him whether he chooses to send any to tell Mr. Scott or Captain Hardy, and he will receive a remittance bill, so he may now act as he pleases. Apropos of Mr. Scott, he is very much obliged to you for your news of Mrs. Scott's being brought to bed. No letters came in the cutter but to me, and he was very uneasy. He is a very excellent good man, and I am very fortunate in having such a one. I admire your kindness to my dear sister Bolton. I have wrote her that certainly I will assist Tom Bolton at college. It is better, as I tell her, not to promise more than I am sure I can perform. It is only doing them an injury. I tell her if vacancies, please God, should happen, that my income will be much increased. With respect to Mr. Bolton, everyone knows that I have no interest. Nobody cares for me, but if he will point out what he wants, I will try what can be done. But I am sure he will not be half so well off as at present. Supposing he could get a place of a few hundreds a year, he would be a ten times poorer man than he is at present. I could convince you of it in a moment, but if I was to begin, then it would be said. I wanted inclination to render them a service. I should like to see Sir H. P.'s book. I cannot conceive how a man that is reported to have been so extravagant of government's money to say no worse can make a good story. I wrote to the old duke not so long since. I regard him, but I would not let him touch you for all his money. No, that would never do. I believe Mr. Bennett's bill to be correct, but it was not intended that you should pay that out of the allowance for Merton. And how could you afford to send Mrs. Bolton a hundred pounds? It is impossible out of your income. I wish Mr. Addington would give you five hundred pounds a year. Then you would be better able to give away than at present. But your purse, my dear Emma, will always be empty. Your heart is generous beyond your means. Your good mother is always sure of my sincerest regard. Pray tell her so. Connor is getting on very well but I cannot ask Captain Capel to rate him. That must depend upon the boy's fitness and Capel's kindness. I have placed another year's allowance of thirty pounds in Capel's hands and given Connor a present. What a story about Oliver and Mr. Matcham buying an estate in Holstein, and to sell out at such a loss. I never heard the like. I sincerely hope it will answer his expectation. It is a fine country, but miserably cold. How can Tyson be such a fool? I sincerely hope he will never want money. I am not surprised at Trowbridge's abuse, but his tongue is no scandal. You make me laugh when you imitate the doctor. I am quite delighted with Miss Yong's goodness, and I beg you will make my best respects to her and her good father, 
and assure Mr. Yong how much obliged I feel for his kind attentions to you. Those who do that are sure of a warm place in my esteem. I have wrote to Dumouriez, therefore I will only trouble you to say how much I respect him. I fancy he must have suffered great distress at Altona. However, I hope he will now be comfortable for life. He is a very clever man, and beats our generals out and out. Don't they feel his coming? Advise him not to make enemies, by showing he knows more than some of us. Envy knows no bounds to its persecution. He has seen the world, and will be on his guard. I put Suckling into a frigate, with a very good man who has a schoolmaster. He does very well. Bulkley will be a most excellent sea officer. It is a pity he has not served his time. I have answered Mr. Suckling's letter. Gaetano is very well and desires his duty. I think sometimes that he wishes to be left at Naples, but I am not sure. Mr. Dennis's relation has been long in the victory, but if the Admiralty will not promote my lieutenants, they must all make a retrograde motion. But I hope they will not do such a cruel thing. I have had a very affectionate letter from Lord Minto. I hope George will be confirmed, but the Earl will not answer his application. I shall send you some sherry and a cask of Paxoretti by the convoy. Perhaps it had better go to Merton at once or to Davidson's cellar, where the wine-cooper can draw it off. I have two pipes of sherry. That is bad, but if you like, you can send the doctor a hogshead of that which is coming. Davison will pay all the duties. Send it entirely free, even to the carriage. You know, doing the thing well is twice doing it, for sometimes carriage is more thought of than the prime cost. The Paxoretti I have given to Davison, and ordered one hogshead of sherry to Canterbury, and one to dear Merton. End of section 7